is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this week. Kicking it off with Riverdale Presents Southside Serpents, number one from Archie Comics. Story by David Barnett, art by Richard Ortiz. So this is part of a slate of comics that Archie has started releasing that aren't exactly in continuity with the show's but they include the characters the way they appear on the show. So they're kind of like halfway between the monthly comics and the shows themselves. They did this with a Madam Satan one-shot spinning off of Chilling yes. Adventures of Sabrina that we talked about. This one, of course, is spinning off of Riverdale, as I the wish, title implies. I wish I would have yes. known that before I read it, because I read it and I was like, holy shit, everything's going to change. Yeah. Well, no, it's out of continuity. They killed some people in this comic. They kill, straight up killed some people. Um, I got to tell you, I mean, to start there... I was surprised how hardcore this was. <laughs> Me too. It, this well, this book went hard from beginning to end, and I will say it. I like this. I, it, it's a to me. I mean, Archie Comics for for a decade has been taking big swings with a lot of their their choices and a lot of the, especially their like one shots like this and their limited series. But with this, like. Um, putting it in between Riverdale, uh, featuring Tony yeah. uh, Topaz um, here, which was great, and then having both um, Hot Dog show up, drawn mm. like Hot Dog from the Double Digest, as well as a murder happening involving Hot Dog, I was like, okay, <laughs> we're going for it here. Yeah. Um, so the plot of this book, uh, if you haven't picked it up, is that Jughead is tasked by FP to go rejuvenate the serpents. Uh, FP can see that they're getting older. He wants them to go out, get some young blood in there. Things go very, very wrong. Um, The thing that I think this book did so well is the serpents are way too friendly on the TV show. They're supposed to be like the most hardcore biker gag, but there was like, we're hardcore. We're fucking helping out with community service. And now we're going to assist the police department. Look how hardcore we are here. They're an actual biker gag and they're treated like an actual biker gag. And it works really well to the devastating end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it was also nice to be, to take you back to um, uh, this time in Riverdale. Uh, we're all Riverdale fans. And to sort of position us sort of earlier, like well, this was like season two Riverdale, it feel, felt like, um, was really fun as well. Yeah. Good stuff. Definitely I, check. Oh, go ahead, Pete. Wait, Pete's got to wait. Yeah. I, I really like this. I loved all the action. It moves really well. It feels like Riverdale, but it has its own kind of flavor, which is cool for the comic. And, uh, yeah, I thought the art was great and the storytelling was really impressive how well uh, this moved. Um, I I had a great time. A lot of biker gangs have a crown that the um, head of the gang wears. This is true. Like the Hells Angels. Yep. Very famously. Uh, and and the Sons second of biker gang that we could name, which is, what is that, Justin? Um, that biker game. Uh, there's the um, the wheels, the wheelies. <laughs> the wheelers. The, wheelie, the, the wheelers. That's yes. it. Captain Marvel number 25 from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Lee Garbett. This is a title that we haven't talked about too much, but as it is hitting an anniversary issue, and we do like Kelly Thompson in particular here on the show, I figured it was worth talking about. Here, Captain Marvel is trapped in a post-apocalyptic future where the son of Namor and Amara has laid waste to everything, using Captain Marvel for his evil plan. Uh, As usual with Kelly Thompson book, I thought this was a lot of fun. I I had a blast reading this. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, as parents, uh, you have to feel that, like, if your son or daughter stabs a, a stuffed animal dolphin, uh, you better, you know, address that early. Otherwise, that's really going to get out of hand and lead. Well, the some- question is. For at least in my household, is it during stabbing practice or is it on the own? Oh, oh, because oh. <laughs> if it's during stabbing practice, obviously it's fine. That's good, yeah. but it's I'll fine. tell you what, quarantine school has been weird. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a lot of a lot of real post apocalyptic <laughs> lessons are going around. Obviously, Pete, you're not a parent, but like there is a lot of like. Um, zombie preparation, Smart. Um, how to is that like early cannibalism stuff. Is yeah, going is it I definitely like machete I was listening to my son's and stuff thing, like that. And the teacher on the Zoom uh, was saying, "Okay, first graders, are you distilling your pee properly so you can drink it?" <laughs> oh my it? god, that was yeah. so creepy. That's why it's really important to potty train him so you don't lose that precious pee. What do you think about this book? Uh, I loved it. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> Precious Pete. Oh, man. I don't want to. Oh. Yeah, I really like this. A lot of over-the-top action, which I enjoyed. Uh, fun kind of Namor story. You know, classic tale of uh, raising somebody who is going to murder their father. You know, it's just classic fun stuff. You guys have to be worried about that, getting murdered by your own kids. That's got to be something <laughs> that weighs keep, on you. You keep <laughs> throwing this back on us. You know, yeah. I mean, that's something that you've got to be worried a little bit about as a parent, that you're raising I'm the person who's going to kill you. I'm about you killing me, Pete, than I have my kids at this point. Oh, well, that's 100%. smart. That's smart. Yes. That's, the real, that's the real threat We <laughs> keeps us up nights. But Speaking of things I love, that are... Oh, go ahead. I love the art. I love the action. Uh, This is some great. uh, Yeah, Thor was just fantastic, and this is really fun. Yeah, Bridget. Um, I do. It's funny reading this alongside uh, Future State over on the DC side of things. This feels very much like a Future State book in the Marvel universe, and it's fun. I like books that take uh, that take us into alternate futures where shit's fucked up. Well, let's go to an alternate present where shit is fucked up. In the Department of Truth, number five, oh from Image Comics, written by James Town and the Fourth, art by Martin Simmons. This is a big one for anybody who's reading the series. It's about a department that is tasked with taking care of conspiracy theories. Here are main characters finding out a bunch more about the other side, Black Hat, and what's going on with them. Maybe. Um, this doesn't change everything, but it certainly comes close to it. How'd you feel about this issue? I, I've i not been shy to say I love this series. I think this series is like just so present. It feels so real. It's about um, how if enough people believe in conspiracy theories, they become real. And like what truth is, uh, it is like something I think we as a nation, as a world grapple with literally every day. And so this book uh, does such a good job between the art and the the story of really just getting inside my brain. Yeah, this is really kind of crazy cool. Like the conspiracy stuff is one thing, but just the the art and the storytelling on like how this all kind of unfolds for the main character that we're following here is tripped out in all the right ways. It's um it's just really great kind of like conspiracy storytelling that kind of feeds into fears and like kind of like deep thoughts in, in all the right ways. I think this is a really creative book that is really doing an amazing job. I feel like we've said this here on the show before, but 
it struck me with this issue in particular, this feels like a lost Vertigo book down to the art yeah. and the writing and everything. And it's awesome. Uh, Firefly. Hey, oh, go ahead. I was going to say just an, uh, an excellent Vertigo book. Yeah. That, uh, a lost Vertigo, Vertigo book that should have stayed lost was what I was saying. Whoa, wow. whoa. Should have stayed in Karen Berger's draw. Oh, come on. What? Right? Interesting. You mean drawer? Come on. You're saying drawer? Drawers. Yeah, I was trying to say that. Okay. Firefly number 25 from Boom Studios, written by Greg Pack, Greg Pack. by Pius Bach. Uh, so we talked about uh, the special, The End of the Blue Sun Rising, as being an awesome Firefly story. Here, after all of this prequel stuff, we're moving beyond Serenity. We're showing what happens years later. Uh, there's some big twists here. Uh, I thought this is great. Like, I, as much as I like the stuff that went before, I'm very excited about this direction for the book. Uh, it tells a good story. Uh, if you have watched all the Firefly and Serenity, you can jump in right here. You don't have to read anything previous. And that is very exciting. Yeah, for, for Greg Pak to tell a great story um, that really nails all the characters, but it also feels like it's expanding the universe um, as a prequel, and then to jump into like sort of where the story is continuing from um, any fan, whatever they've taken in for this show and movie, is great. Such a smart move. I love that it's it, he's guiding this ship. Uh, I wanted to read something. Speaking of fans, a uh, fan uh, of our show reached out to me and was just wondering, you know, we had Fred Van Lanty on a bunch, but they're asking me when the fuck Greg Pak is going to be on. So I wanted to kind of turn that over to Alex and just be like, hey, you know, when the fuck is Greg Pak going to be on our show? So we can Let talk me throw to this him. out to you, Pete. Are you the fan that reached out to you? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Sounds a lot We'll try like to have you. him back on soon. We always love having him on the show. Thanks for writing in, Pete. Yeah. Let's move over to our <laughs> Future State block. Here's the issues that came out of Future State this week. Future State Suicide Squad, number one. Future State Superman versus Imperious Lex, number one. Future State Dark Detective, number two. Legion of Superheroes, number one. Aquaman, number one. And Batman Superman, number one. Now, as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, instead of talking about absolutely everything, I want to call out what our favorites were. And I'll turn to you for Justin first. What was your favorite or favorites from these Future um, State titles this week? Once again, I liked a lot of these books. I feel like they've been really crushing it, but my favorites were... Uh, let me throw it to Superman versus Imperious Lex. Oh, yeah, first. That's what I figured. Yeah, I say that's uh, what I figured because that was also my favorite, and that's a yeah. Mark. It's written by Mark Russell, who's one of our favorites here on the show. Art by Steve Pugh, uh, and it shows a future state, a future society where Lex has taken over a planet. Superman and Lois come head to head with it. Uh, ridiculous parody and a lot of fun at the same time, Justin. And I, I do think Mark Russell's done such a good job. Um, he's he's so good at bringing real issues into his comic book work. Um, famous, famously first on um, the Flintstones book that he did, um, and then a bunch of other things that he's done. And this to really weave um, weave big, interesting ideas about um, how uh, people are populaces are controlled by their leaders and economics, how economics drives people into a uh, far future Superman United Planets Lex Luthor story I think was great. There's a bunch of humor here as well. It's just, it's a book of ideas and I love that. Pete, what about you? What was what jumped out at you this week? Uh, I liked Future State Dark Detectives number two. I really liked this yes. kind of like... Uh, Gritty future Batman and um, 
I also really like the second story with a rose, uh, I'm guessing Slade's daughter. Uh, but yep. uh, just the- Th- that's an incontinuity character, by the way. That's not just a future state character. Oh, OK. Um, just for clarification. Thank you. Uh, but just to mention before you get too far into it, uh, written by Mariko Tamaki and Joshua Williamson, art by Dan Mora, who you love from Once in Future. Yes, yeah. And Giannis uh, Milino Giannis. Um, yeah, and the first story is about Bruce Wayne after he's been, quote, shot and killed, mm-hmm. uh, coming back and trying to figure out what he is now. The second one is a Red Hood story, which is basically straight up Akira uh, in a very fun way. Um, yeah. Justin, what do you think about this one? I love I, li- I like both of these stories. Um, the the Bruce Wayne story in the, at the front of this is so good. Like the art, the Dan Mora art is excellent. Um, and it really, really like... Uh, I would love to see this as just an ongoing series of Bruce Wayne Agreed. in a um, um, in a future where he has been killed, like figuring out what he's going to do next and finding his way back is great. And then the backup um, story really felt a lot like um, Nightwing Batgirl relationship, but mm-hmm. put on uh, with Red Hood and Rose, um, which I thought was a cool sort of mapping um, and with the Akira stuff you're talking about as well. The one that I was completely... Surprise that I loved was Future State Aquaman number one. Yeah, art by Daniel Semperi. I don't usually like Aquaman stories at all, but this one is showing Aqualad all grown up training the daughter of Aquaman and Mera. Uh, They accidentally end up in the this conjoining of seas. I think it's called the conjunction or something like that. Yeah. That travels across different planets. Uh, they get trapped. They get separated. Aqualad's been in prison for years. Uh, and finally he, spoiler, but he gets some hope uh, that the girl he's been in charge with may be still alive somewhere. This was badass. Like, it, yeah. like we were talking about, this is something that I'm like, I want to read this book. This is such a strong <laughs> concept right here. I want to see where this goes. I want to see them go through like a whole, uh, go through all these seas, go through all these worlds, try to find each other. Um, that's very exciting. And the art from Daniel Semperi oh my God. is awesome as well, but fantastic. I, I I was, my jaw dropped. I was so surprised. I like this so much. Yeah. And I really like the, the black Manta stuff as well. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was like the right amount of like beautiful tripped out colors for all these different kind of worlds and stuff. I was really impressed by it. Uh, I also want to throw it out to the suicide squad future state book. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really great as well. Um, really surprising, uh, well-written dark take, um, Featuring a ton of characters that I didn't expect to really see together, and just really smart uh, observations of these characters. The uh, the second story, uh, Black Adam, really looks like The Rock. It's like holy shit! All right, <laughs> yeah. guys, we get it. Yeah, uh, that was that was a weird one for me. Uh, but just to mention the writing team on that, written by Robbie Thompson, Jeremy Adams, art by Javier Fernandez, Fernando Persarin. Uh, and real quick before we lap, uh, wait, wait. wrap up here, the other ones, uh, Future State Legion of Superheroes, number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Gorgeous art, as always, by Riley Rosmo. That, uh, yeah. And then there's also Batman Superman, number one, which That's is an interesting I one. That's Written by Julian Liu and Yang and art by Ben Oliver, because this actually isn't very future state. Like, this is, if future state is 10, 15, 20, whatever years down the road, this is like five years down the road with our Batman and Superman right before things go wrong 
which is a fascinating tack to take. Pete, take it away. Yeah, I really thought this was, first off, the banter back and forth between Superman and Batman was amazing. I also really liked this kind of false face thing. And then Superman realizing why masks are good was really cool. And I really liked this Toad character that was introduced. Um, Yeah, I was really impressed with this. Yeah, it might not have been that far in the future, but man, this was a really cool book. Uh, I really liked it. And um, I'm trying to think. I also read the uh, Batman uh, White Knight presents Harley Quinn number four. And that was (laughs) totally unrelated. I'm just putting it out there. We're doing a quick review thing here. And uh, no, 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 but that's not it's not future. Well, it is uh, DC. You keep doing this. I send you a list of comics. You're like, I read these five other comics. Yeah. I'm re- I, I just think that the story is really... I just love comics. Great. The- Pete, when we get to it, I read Amazing Spider-Man as well, so I, I just want to talk about that. Great, great. I just wanted to say real quick, though, Not the much Harley happens. Quinn thing at first, the White Knight Presents, uh, I didn't... What are you but doing? now it's really going well, and I'm really impressed with it, and I thought it was a, a really great story, and it's worth checking out. Really great. grabbing how the is, mic. Uh, how was Yusagi Ojimbo, Pete? Uh, I uh, look forward to checking that out. Wow. Wow. Shame. What a hater. Post Americana. Um, oh, yes, hold on. But for one last thing yes. about Future State. I think that DC should do this. Pick a month every year. Do this. It's like it introduces so many interesting ideas. They could reflect whatever the ongoing stories are in the main titles in their Future State titles. Introduce a bunch of new artists and writers into I this I think that's world. what they're going like, to do. I, I don't think they're going to do that, I but I they wish are. they did. <laughs> That's a great idea. I mean, it's clearly like it was originally there to give everybody space on the schedule and everything, at least in terms of the writers and artists. But this is great. Uh, I'm I'm so happy with all of these books. Yeah. I also want to funny. say uh, in the Future State Legion one, uh, the amazing last page. That was re- uh, that was a really fun issue. Sure. Yes. Post Americana number two from Image Comics, written in art by Dave Scritchie. Uh, this is a wild book. We talked about the first issue of this taking place in a post apocalyptic world. Uh, when we left off, our main characters have been captured by cannibals who wear human skin. That's where this issue picks up. Pete, you got to love that. Picks up right where it left off, basically. Huge fan. Uh, this book is fucked up in exactly the right way. It's like crossed, but not as dark, I guess, and with a little bit more of a mission to it. I don't know. It feels a lot just like crossed. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you're seeing the less darkness. There's less like coming on bullets before you shoot them at people. Yeah. But uh, sure, that's fair. I would say uh, it's but, like, you uh, know, like the the main lady has uh, no limbs, but she calls her robot limbs and then kicks the ass of a cannibal. So that's pretty. It's fun. like Iron Man. Yeah, I would say this is like a really dark version of Wally a little bit. You know, like a. We're fucked up Wally. <laughs> oh, Wally. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't get that. Well, there's a male character and there's a female character like Eva. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, none of them are robots. <laughs> and there's a lot of other people there, and many of them cannibals, yeah. which if I remember Wally correctly, there's it's very light on cannibalism. Am I wrong there? Yeah, it is. Did you watch the director's cut? Yeah. It's on <laughs> yeah. Disney+. Plus. Well, I was just talking about yeah. the people who are on vacation, like looking at the news and kind of taking it all in, and that kind of little bit was very Wally. Oh, I see. Yes, <laughs> I mean that, to be fair, that is reminiscent of Wally. That was one panel in yep. this comic. <laughs> Still reminded me of Wally, dickhead. 
You said this book is like a fucked up yeah. Wally, and that is that is taking one panel and being like, "Well, it's a- this is." If I if I heard that description, I was like, "Oh, okay, fucked up Wally." I love Wally. I wish it was more fucked up. Let me read it. And I I was like, "What's that dude Pete talking about?" Because there's one panel that really reminds you of Wally. Okay, I, I oh, it's hard to a, argue. This with is you a fictional think. story, like Wally. Yeah, <laughs> my life's a lot like Wally. And then um, I occasionally watch a silent film. <laughs> uh, this, this book is uh, insanely over the top on purpose, but I'm enjoying it. I am too. In, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Let's move on and talk about Daredevil number 26 from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Cicchetto and Meek Hawthorne. Mike Hawthorne, excuse me. I don't know why it's spelled Meek, like the character from uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Not Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and uh, uh, World War Hulk. Yeah. yeah, we could just cut this part out. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> World War Hulk Mike is right. Uh, this is taking Daredevil, who is in prison, mixing it up with King and Black. It is intense and fucked up uh, with an amazing last battle. I'll tell you what, I am like vehemently against venomizing everything in the Marvel universe. Yet I love this, and I'm not 100% sure why. Well, I think it's just really well handled. Like, um, the, the, there's a sort of kid, uh, kid and parent venomization here that, like, is legit scary. I love, um, the Electra at taking over from Daredevil's in prison. I love Electra being the Daredevil on the street. That's such a fun story. To see them all ha- having to handle the, King and Black stuff is wild, and I love that it didn't take over. All the characters get to shine still. And this last bit where we uh, – spoiler, but Daredevil gets venomized, and you get to be in his head. Um, you love that. As, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was so smart. Yeah, I was really – there's a lot in this comic, which is great. A lot of very interesting ideas in this uh, comic. The The whole prison scene – and where Daredevil is getting kind of like lectured and talking about the difference between white and black, how he can just take off the mask and be somebody else. Really powerful stuff. Really cool. I it's very interesting to see Kingpin. I, I am not tired of this idea of like Kingpin being a, a public figure and like we know him as this evil person and he's like it's just very i i love this idea and i'm not sick of it and i hope it continues to run well, daredevil one thing that i really loved was getting to see when the the moment when the mayor of new york finds out that venom symbiotes have attacked the city yeah like i feel like that's something that you never really get to see at all in a comic book crossover because it's always focusing on the avengers focusing on the superheroes you never get to see the government except later on when captain america is like can you send out the national guard and they're like yeah absolutely so you never get to see that moment where they're like oh uh, aliens are attacking again you got to get out of here yeah. it's funny you say that because i feel like i've heard mayor de blasio talk a lot about ven- the venomization <laughs> oh, yeah. of he new york he always <laughs> talks about that i'm sick but, i mean to be fair he's jumping he's often jumping to conclusions right well you remember when those venom symbiotes attacked new york and he's like alternate side of the street parking has been suspended <laughs> It's very niche content. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very New York. Great great comic, though. Let's move on and talk about Monstrous number 31 from Image Comics, written by Marjorie Liu, art by Nana Takeda. Uh, Now, we had talked about Monstrous Talk Stories, the two-part book that came out before this. Uh, 
after not talking about Monstrous for a very long period of time, I thought those were awesome. So I thought it was worth checking out this book, the main book, and seeing how it's going. Um, I still love the art in this. This is such a weird, wild world that it's fascinating to jump in with. The mythology is so different and interesting to read. Uh, But what did you guys think about it? Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. This is very much to me, and I haven't read a lot of this book, but it's very much to me like... Um, all of the cutscenes from a Final Fantasy game just sort of put together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love I love that. So I thought this was a fun read. Yeah, the art <laughs> the art is really impressive in in this book, and uh, I, it's really a lot of fun. Like the the different monsters and stuff, and the different kind of animal people that we kind of see in this is very cool and worth checking out alone. But you guys, uh, this has to be a dream of yours to, you know, sit down and have like a, Where's you know, father, uh, daughter story. conversation as you sit on a pile of skulls and just kind of have like, you know, a father daughter talk or a father son talk. That's gotta be something that you guys look forward to as parents. Hmm. Didn't go where I thought it was. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, right after stabbing practice, obviously, yeah, we obviously do sit on after, skulls after. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let's move on and talk about the other history of the DC Universe number two from DC Comics, written yeah. by John Ridley, art by Giuseppe Comincoli. We're the first issue of this book focused on Black Lightning. Here, we're jumping over to the Teen Titans, looking to two characters there. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I mean, this issue was phenomenal as the first issue so was good. phenomenal. It's fascinating personally reading this for me because... I am much more familiar with what happened with Black Lightning, and there's much more touchstones in that book than here, because I never read Teen Titans growing up. I had no idea what was going on there, the continuity. So this is definitely, like, I understand this feels like the decades, but none of these stories other than Titans Hunt, which we talked about on a live show a couple of months ago, uh, and some of the Deathstroke stuff, none of it really feels familiar with me. But at the same time, I love this story, and I love the idea of taking two characters who are in Teen Titans, showing their diverse opinions, their diverse ideas, views of what was going on throughout the history of the DC Universe. Uh, This is such a cool project. It's very exciting. Yeah. It's just so... It's so smart, the way it, it, like takes uh, two characters and really, like, weaves their stories together with observations that, like, a lot of the things that happen in in this from the original comics are ridiculous. But to then weave them into one story um, with with actual commentary of what a real person would think, I think it, it just, it works so well. On top of that, weaving in, like, real-world events and uh, the perspective um, of these two African-American characters in a world where, uh, which they talk about a lot, where it's everyone else is white, essentially, is, it's just, it's really well done. It's, this is necessary reading, I think, right now. Yeah, I I didn't know how much I wanted this until it happened. Like, uh, just to have that kind of commentary on the stuff uh, that we know from the years of reading comics and it's just so, so rich and great and such a cool idea. Uh, Art's amazing. I'm really impressed with the writing and storytelling. Yeah, it's it's a must pick up. Great stuff. Let's move on and talk about Nailbiter Returns, number nine from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Mike Henderson. Not not me, Henderson, or anything like that. No, that would be great. <laughs> be so well, I guess we'll have to cut this out, too. 
Yes. Uh, so in this book, uh, we're finally getting a lot of answers about what has been going on in Bakuru yes. with the Butchers. Um, we get the veil poked back on the villain of this series. Um, uh, another just great issue. Like the, the mythology that they keep fleshing out here is so impressive and so much fun. It's, and we finally get the eyeball looking that I think we've all been oh, asking man. for. Absolutely. I've been begging for it. I've been writing them every week. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, you, you guys are big is. eyeball lickers. This is right up your yes. alley. Uh, yeah, this book has started in such a, a crazy place. And I think like every issue, like, oh, okay, now I understand. But it keeps getting more and more insane in such a great way. It, it heightens and makes things... Uh, even better than you thought. I, I've been really impressed with the kind of unraveling of the stories, if you will. And uh, man, this is so intense and gross and over the top in all the right ways. The art's fantastic. And man, eyeballs are gross. Yeah. Um, I, but I agree. And like the amount of sort of dream logic that's been used in this book I was really surprised by um, uh, but it's been great and uh, it really keeps you guessing throughout next one I'm very excited and I mean this earnestly to find out what Pete thought about this book X-Men number 17 from Marvel Comics written by Jonathan Hickman art by Brett Booth in this issue the X-Men in classic uniforms X-Factor uniforms journey to Shi'ar space and have a classic 90s-style fight to save Lalandra. Uh, Pete. Save uh, uh, Zandra, Lalandra. Like the, oh, yes. This generation's Lalandra. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, Pete, if there is any issue of X-Men you had to like, it had to be this issue, right? Sure. I mean, it was very kind of like... <laughs> It was a little 90s art that was a little bit like, holy crap, uh, when does this take place in the timeline? But man, uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. I mean, the phone call was a little ridiculous. um, And there was still something that I was supposed to read that didn't in the middle of it. Uh, oh my God, that was so much fun. That was, it was just Sam fun. and Bobby. I'll never know. I'll never chilling know. Out, I'll never know. Having a hilarious time. I'll never. So funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's 90s X-Men fun is what it is in, in all the right ways. Um, and so that's that part's very cool. This, to me, was such a wild read. Coming off of X of Swords and everything that's been going on in the X-Men books, to read this sort of, like, love letter to the Chris Claremont era of X-Men, drawn by Brett Booth, with, like, all this, like, really goofy shit going on between, like, Sunspot and Cannonball. Uh, throughout the whole issue, I was like, this, it just feels like Jonathan Hickman is like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And then this is what I want to do right now as a palate cleanser after X of Swords. And here it is. It's great. I could not believe when they had that splash page of Jean Grey and Cyclops in the X-Force uniforms, Storm in her classic uniform, just walking out and like posing in Rob Liefeld style. It's great. There's, there's this little, there's this panel on like page nine or something with um, Storms in the front. And then behind you got like Cyclops and Jean just like flirting in the background. I was just like, this is so, and I love, I love seeing that. Like it was, me too. I was like, it's such a flashback. 
And the other thing that we get a tease of here is there's going to be an actual vote online to choose the new member of the X-Men, which is so fun. I just, I love you the think fact that's fun? that they're having fun with... What? You think that's fun? Well... I do think it's fun. Here, let's yeah. list let's list the options here, and then we can let's hear who everybody thinks. We've got can we can we Banshee. talk about the the in the middle of this giant epic fight? She calls uh, home for help, and we got to listen to this douchebag talk about a fire sale and how he's making money off it. Do you guys know what a fire sale is? Do you know what that? I mean, this is like it's yes. it's very yes. it's oh, I, the, it's the very sunspot. <sighs> yeah. That's what he it's does. Also, it, was, it was fun. It was weird and fun. That's what the the point of it was. Cool. What is your problem with the X Men vote, Pete? Is it that you have to use a computer which you don't know how to use yet? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. Okay. Let me throw it down. Let me th- list the the X Men: Banshee, Polaris, Forge, Boom Boom, Tempo, uh, huge hugely famous Tempo, uh, Cannonball, Sunspot, Strong Guy, Marrow, Armor. Mm. Armor. Who's your pick? Ooh, armor, I do like armor. Yeah, I go armor. Uh, wait, uh, who is on it then? Who is already on the team? Because I, I don't know the list of that. Obviously, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Storm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know <laughs> either. <laughs> um, I think it's sort of up, up in the air, maybe, yeah. or wait, maybe it's who is decided. the first bunch again? Banshee, Polaris, Forge, Boom Boom, Tempo. Ooh, I want to see if Storm is on the team. I want to see Forge on this team because I want to see that like old '90s tension between them. That would be fun. yeah. They had a lot of tension. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going for Strong Guy. Really, Ooh, love I love it. Strong Guy. All right, he's no boom. Fun boom. character, funny character. A lot of pathos, like underneath his um, his powers. Like great, great character. I gotta assume it's Wolverine is the other one, right? It's Wolverine, Storm. Cyclops, Jean Grey, and whoever the fifth one is. I don't know. It's a bunch of X-Men. I don't know. We don't we don't know. Remember, every other X-Men book has been like, look, a bunch of random X-Men. That's true. <laughs> All right. Let's uh throw it out to Pete LePage here with a gimme spawn number three fourteen from Image Comics, written by Todd McFarland, art by Carlo Baberry. In this issue, Spawn meets a larger spawn. Yeah. <laughs> and is immediately confused Fine. why this larger spawn would be attacking him. He's like, hey, wait, we look similar. We should be on the same size, Giant Spawn. What I love about this Giant Spawn, having not read many issues of Spawn before this, is it is entirely possible this large Spawn was introduced prior or this large Spawn was just introduced this issue. Yep. But either way is fine. And let me just throw out there, he fights a larger spawn, is captured, and then that larger spawn is like, it's time to meet my master, who is the large, an even larger An spawn. even larger spawn, because you <laughs> thought, all right, well, spawn. you can't get larger in that spawn. <laughs> and by the way, our spawn is so small in comparison to the large spawn, and then the even larger one. But what's fun- Here's my question. Wait, why do they keep calling each other spawn? Because that's like- their designation, right? It would be like if we kept calling each other human or something like that. Yes. It's weird. Well, human. But it, it is weird. Yeah, they should have a shorthand because they're all in the spawn but business I really together. like this twist at the end where it's like, oh, man, you giant spawns are going to get taken down by even smaller spawn. I was, I, by, what is no, twist? But that's, he's not a spawn. I think he's sharp uh, night guy. He's night spawn. 
That's still no, spawn. Night spawn. Was that medieval spawn? It's medieval spawn. I don't know if it's medieval. It looks like a night spawn. I think, the, and I did. Wasn't he introduced in like issue six or something crazy? Like way back in the what, day. Medieval spawn. Yeah, yeah. that Before was a, we that move was on a, here. No, no, that was Pete, a crossover event where medieval spawn was its own comic series for a little Dark Ages spawn. I'm, yeah, that's and right. That's, I'm starting to think this Todd, uh, this Todd McFarlane guy is trying to sell some action figures. Well, <laughs> he is. He makes a lot of them, and it's smart uh, because if I was a kid, I would want all the spawns. Uh, but the Dark Ages spawn is where but I wrote adult, my fan letter. You know better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as an adult, you've put away childish things. That's right. And you'd have no interest in having any of these action figures. Uh, Pete, before we move on, I just want to ask, did you like this comic book? Yeah, what's that to like? Your voice wow, very high. really high-pitched answer there, Pete. <laughs> and let's just to, for the listener, Pete is sitting on a pile of spawn action figures, like a, as if they were skulls. Yeah. Yes. The Last God, number 12 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Ricardo Federici. This is wrapping up Aww. the first, maybe, arc of this book, uh, but it definitely wraps up the story that we have here oh, as our uh, friends uh, to try to take down The Last God. I guess. Yep. <laughs> um, big revelations out. here. Some big di- uh, deaths. Uh, what'd you think? How'd you think about this story as a whole over the course of 12 Epic. Issues? Epic. I really love the storytelling. And we mean that it's like we see them in action, but as the issues go on, we get little bits and pieces of their backstory. I think done so well uh, while telling a bigger story. Uh, the action and the lead up uh, of the ending of this was just really well done. Um, and you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of, you know, like songs or whatever, but it really kind of fit. (laughs) Um, I, I loved all the back matter and the maps and stuff. This was just a fantastic epic story that I think really uh, 12 issues of just gold. It's really uh, beautifully drawn. The story's great. And the fact that it ends with this, like, just great song where we see all the characters, uh, it feels just like a montage at the end of a epic trilogy. Like, like I want to see this as a TV series more than I want to see the Lord of the Rings series that's in mm-hmm. development at Amazon. Wow. Couldn't agree more. Let's move on to talk about Something is Killing the Children, number 14 from Boob Studios, art by James Tynan the fourth, art Woo-hoo. by Wertha Dedaria. Uh, here we're getting our hero finally fighting back against the monsters who are the ones killing the children. Uh, Justin, I know you've been frustrated is probably too strong a word, but you've definitely felt like this title needs to get somewhere. Did you feel like it got there with this issue? Yes, it does feel like this is the issue that's sort of moving into uh, what this arc is about. Like when so many of the issues in this arc were very much like, we got to fight this stuff. We got to get out there and do this. And we were getting little tidbits. This arc, let me restart over. This arc felt like it was going to be this huge backstory arc really getting us to the next phase. And then it didn't do that. And then this feels like it does. What about you, Pete? How'd you feel about this issue? I, I disagree a little bit with Justin. I think this continues to be amazing. Uh, I didn't think it's very good. It the art is very good. The fight sequences are awesome in this book. Yeah, um, I, I I've just I've been impressed with it from start to finish. But I think that like we do kind of get to see the main girl kind of use uh, her kind of veteran styles to kind of work her her kind of magic a little bit. I'm glad we got to finally see that. 
And I love the whole bit about like her working out some anger issues. Oh, that just spoke to me in ways that you can't believe. But I want to get one of those masks to walk around uh, uh, with, uh, like that she has. I think that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I I can't uh, say enough great things about this book. This is really glorious. It's good stuff. Uh, moving on to Strange Adventures, number eight from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner. In this issue, the Picts finally attack Earth. The whole Justice League is on the offensive. Adam Strange, of course, is caught in the middle. And in the backstory, finding out more about what's going on with Adam Strange, and it is starting to feel like maybe he's the bad guy here. Uh, what do you guys think about what's going on? Uh, I mean, there's go ahead. You go. Yeah. So I've been a little frustrated with this up until this issue, because I felt like we haven't really had enough information to really kind of piece together what's going on. And this we get a lot of information, which is great and much needed. Um, The the very crazy, cool, touching stuff with the daughter here. Uh, Yeah, I felt like this finally started to click for me. And I was like, oh, my God. okay, now I'm understanding things a little bit more and I want to go back and read it from the beginning. Uh, I mean, this book is so good. It's such a stressful read. Like a lot of Tom King stuff, like the tension in this book is, is so uh, it's just palpable throughout. And we have Adam strange in the last couple issues. We, we found out that he's been tortured basically for a million lifetimes, just like absolutely, uh, brutalized and in this issue I, it just re rephrases him um he's gone through so much trauma he's like a fully broken person and doc shaner's art like he still has these like perfectly clear blue eyes but you just see the pain that he's in and how he is just not capable of being a hero and that adds so much dread to the scenes with his daughter and then meanwhile you have mr terrific and batman trying to sort through a great sequence of the mr terrific like answering trivia questions from one of his fears like i'm so excited to see where this is going i am starting to feel despite what i said at the beginning that this is more about perspectives on war and how nobody is right uh, that yeah. there isn't really a villain. I know I said maybe you know, Adam Strange was the villain, but I think it's he committed atrocities. The Picts committed atrocities. That's what happens in war. We know that Tom King has been in wars. He was in the CIA. He knows how this works. And I think that's what he's writing about here is that from the perspective of your side, of course, you're right. But that doesn't mean that you're right from the perspective of the other side. And I, I think yeah, that's what he's playing with here. There there are no heroes. Exactly. Uh, like, it's very hard to have a hero when you're in a a war where both sides are fighting to kill and fighting for their lives. And I think that's what we're going to get next issue. Yeah. Next up, An Unkindness of Ravens, number five from Boob Studios, written by Tad Panosian, art by Mariana Ignazzi. This is the end of the first arc, first book, whatever you want to call it, of this title. Uh, we've had our main characters try to figure out what's going on in this weird small town here. Spoiler, but she finds out her mother is alive. Uh, she had a twin sister who had some power. Maybe, but it turns out actually she didn't. Uh, it turns out she might have the power. She might be the one that is supposed to complete this coven of witches or whatever is going on here. Um, we were big fans of this when they started. How did you feel about how it wrapped up? I like this so much. Like, I think it set up a good mystery. I really 
the art is so approachable. It makes you really like feel like you're right alongside um, uh, the main characters. And this last uh, last couple pages reveal like is just so sweet, and it does such a good job, especially with the R, of being very like Archie or comic book Sabrina, um, but having like more mature themes and more um, sort of deeper storytelling than those original comics. Yeah, Pete, what I, about you? I really like this. This continues to be a, a fantastic book. I've been really impressed with uh, kind of how we're finding out the information as the story is going and this whole thing about this, this kind of uh, coven of witches called the Ravens. And I, it's just very cool. And I really like this kind of mother-daughter interaction. I feel like... You know, it's very kind of like old timey versus now times. This kind of like there's a bigger picture and then, you know, uh, but somebody just so caught up in their own shit, they can't kind of see the bigger things going on. So I I was really uh, impressed with that. The art's glorious. Uh, I'm really into it and I'm excited to see how this kind of unfolds, what choice she makes uh, moving forward, like what team she's going to choose. Good stuff. Last but not least, Colonel Weird Cosmogog number four from DC uh, Dark Horse Comics, excuse me, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Tyler Crook. Uh, this is also wrapping up this title, exploring one of the members of Black Hammer. There's a big emotional catharsis that happens here as he moves forward in his history. Um, I thought this title was awesome. Just Tyler Crook's art is phenomenal. So the writing good. is great. Uh, we've talked about this before. I've said this before, but it's like Slaughterhouse Five in space. Uh, good stuff. Centered on an Adam Strange type yeah. character. Uh, I mean, we've talked, we've talked a lot about eyeballs in this yeah, um, sure episode have. of the stack. Um, and in this eyeball comic, heavy like, stack. Yeah. Eyeball heavy. Um, I've been just licking these eyeballs, uh, lapping them up. Um, and this, like, you just see so much pain, um, in, in the different versions of, of Colonel Weird throughout time, throughout this book. And it's just so good. It's such a well done story. I think the, the cover says so much. It's like the little prince in outer space, but sad. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's that cover is so good. Yeah, go ahead. Peter. Yeah, it's really okay. unbelievable. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, I, you know, I want to read it all again because it ended, and I was like, wait, what? Uh, so I wasn't sure how great the ending is until I want to go back and read it all again. But I've it was really cool, very creative, and the art's unbelievable. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comics at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen. Until next time, keep supporting Dim Comics. Time for stabbing rehearsal. Don't go.